When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Hello, I'm Peter King. Welcome to the MMQB podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, a special podcast from the Steelers Patriots game in Pittsburgh, the mega game, the huge game that could decide the fate of the American Football Conference for the 2017 season, will take you to Pittsburgh. In fact, I'm just driving away from Pittsburgh right now, but we'll take you to Pittsburgh and you will hear why the Pittsburgh Steelers mean so much to that town. You'll hear why this game means so much to the Pittsburgh fandom. You will hear from one of the great Steeler fans I've ever met in my life, Phil Gennaro. You'll also hear uh, my MMQB partner, Kaylin Kaler, goes out into the parking lot at Heinz Field before the Steelers-Patriots game and actually finds a fan who's being baptized into Steeler Nation. So you'll hear all that. Then you will hear from one of the heroes of the game. And for the first time ever, you're going to hear my column, the top of my column from Pittsburgh, On the Steelers-Patriots game, I'll read that with a couple of dramatic and fun twists right here on this podcast. And then we'll end with the thoughts of the MMQB team from Pittsburgh, Peter King, Kalen Kaler, and Connor Orr dissecting the game and wishing you very happy holidays. But first... You know, a few thoughts on something we just saw on Sunday with Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, uh, proposing to sell the team after an explosive story in Sports Illustrated broke uh, earlier on Sunday. And one of the most amazing things I think I've seen in the NFL in some time, that a piece of journalism could have the kind of power to force uh, one of the most powerful owners in the NFL to resign immediately. I'll be writing about that in my column, but I think one of the things that really that that really hits home is that the Me Too movement in America has now hit the NFL, and it has hit the NFL powerfully. I mean, Jerry Richardson is no Harvey Weinstein, but he's a huge force in the NFL. He's been one of the most influential owners over the last two decades Uh, and ever since the Carolina Panthers, uh, ever since Carolina was awarded a franchise uh, in the NFL in 1993. And, you know, just a personal thought on this. After every one of these things that we've seen in our country in recent, recent weeks, maybe not everyone, but the vast majority of them, I look at him and I just say, wow, Dustin Hoffman, wow, or, or whoever, wow, Matt Lauer, that's, that's incredible. And it isn't that I'd say particularly wow at all about Jerry Richardson or about anybody because human beings do human things and have human flaws. But I just want to tell you about, you know, how Jerry Richardson invented a franchise in the Carolinas and, and how he took such 
incredible pride, uh, you know, in what he did. The first time I ever interviewed Jerry Richardson after he got his team in Charlotte uh, was before the draft in 1995, the first draft. And I went to his home in, uh, in South Carolina, and it was actually almost like a, a huge plantation-type home. It was just a gigantic white home. And we sat on the porch of this home, and I conducted the interview. And, uh, I, I mean, I've tried to remember this. I think we both sat in rocking chairs. It just was sort of a classic southern scene uh, that, uh, you know, was very memorable as I saw this. And one thing about Jerry Richardson, I thought this was one of the coolest touches about his new stadium that he built uh, in, uh, in, in downtown Charlotte. You know, ringing the entire stadium, ringing Bank of America Stadium, was, uh, you know, were, were trees and flowers and plants indigenous to North and South Carolina. Jerry Richardson wanted so much for this stadium to represent all of North Carolina and all of South Carolina. So on the half of the stadium that uh, basically faced North Carolina, you know, the mo- mostly North Carolina, he had plants that were indigenous to North Carolina. And on the half of the stadium that was facing South Carolina, all of the plantings, all of the trees and flowers were indigenous to South Carolina. And that's just one of the touches that he did in that stadium that really made you feel like he was paying tribute to where he was from. Now, that has nothing to do with what happened today, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a measure of the man and why so many people around the National Football League on Sunday uh, were shaking their heads and were fairly blown away at what exactly happened in Carolina with Jerry Richardson. And now my conversation with Pittsburgh Phil, Phil Gennaro, an insurance adjuster from Pittsburgh, who, and you'll find out, is one of the craziest Steeler fans I know. Back on this very special MMQB podcast with Peter King. We're coming to you a couple of days early this week because I wanted to take you into what I consider to be a really, really special place and a special event, and that's the Patriots Steelers game this week, particularly in Pittsburgh, where I married a girl from Pittsburgh, and when I was dating my future wife, I found that my father-in-law had this superstition. He had to put the terrible towel on the antenna of the television. In those days, no cable. They just watched the local TV station when the Steelers were on, and every time the Steelers were on, the terrible towel went on the rabbit ears on the television. But anyway, tonight, we are in uh, on the north side of Pittsburgh, north shore of Pittsburgh, rather, right near Heinz Field, and I'm with Phil Gennaro, who is known as Pittsburgh Phil. And Phil, I, I'm, I first met you a few years ago. You're a friend of a friend, Brian Hyland. That is correct, I, yes. I first met you a few years ago, and anytime I want to talk to somebody who's the classic Steeler fan, you're the man. So here you are. You're speaking now for Steeler Nation. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So I want to go way back in time and just ask you, why is Pittsburgh the way it is? Why are the Steelers in almost any year 83 times more important than the Pirates and such an important thing to the fabric of this community? Dan Rooney once told me, the late Dan Rooney once told me, you can tell on Monday morning, in an autumn on an autumn Monday in Pittsburgh, you can walk in downtown and have no idea who won the game the previous day. But you walk for five minutes down the street, you'll know immediately whether we won or lost. It's a, it is it, it, it it's very it's amazing because here in Pittsburgh, the Steelers came around at a great time when they when they came around and became really good. They came around when the steel industry was down. Pittsburgh was a little bit down on their luck, and everybody. Even though the economy was down, we had a good football team. And everybody just got behind the football team. And when I mean get behind, I guess fan is fanatic. 
fanatical. Everybody's fanatical. And that just became the, the, the blood that, that pumps through everybody's veins here. So, Phil, let's describe the scene where we are right now. You've got a 24-ounce icy light sitting in front of you. I've got a 24-ounce icy light. We are at Tequila Cowboy, uh, which is a bar, one of many bars right around here. And it's really kind of a lively evening. It's early yet, so people are pacing themselves. But is this sort of a classic night before the Steelers game, or is it different because the big bad Patriots are coming to town? I, I would think it's amped up a little bit more because it's the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots, uh, obviously the Steelers have not had much success against Patriots, especially the Tom Brady Patriots. So it's a little bit more anticipated. It's a little bit more, uh, you know, everybody, everybody got a little do bit you, more going you, through the range. You do, know? You, do you hate the Patriots? I respect the Patriots. You do. Do you hate Brady? Of course I hate Tom Brady, but guess what? You know what? You wonder why I hate him? Why? Because he's that good. Because <laughs> he's that good. This compares to the Penguins and the Washington Capitals. This is this is like the Patriots are like, you know, the Penguins don't win the don't win the the Presidents Trophy in the NHL. Washington does. We win Stanley Cups. Washington can't get past the Penguins. It it probably reminds so me. So is Brady Ovechkin? Brady, no, 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 no. Brady's Gretzky. Okay, all right, that's good. That's Brady's good. Gretzky. I mean, Brady's the best, so he's, yeah. he's Gretzky. But it reminds me of probably what Cincinnati and Houston felt like in the 70s. They had very good teams. They would beat up on the rest of the NFL, but they couldn't beat the Steelers. That's what sort of is going on here. Even though the Steelers and the Patriots aren't in the same division, that's basically what's going on here. Yeah. What's the atmosphere around town been this week, or like this week with this game? Anticipation. High anticipation, but also I think a lot of true Steeler fans are approaching this with caution because of just what has happened in the past yeah. with, the, with, the, with the Patriots. And so. don't you also find that, like I find this, this weekend to be very interesting in the NFL because everybody said, oh, my God, game of the year, Steelers, Patriots. But really, they're both making the playoffs. Absolutely. They're both probably going to have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So how much really is on the line here? I know that you, you don't want to lose to the Patriots every time, but really, even if the Steelers lose this game, they're still in pretty good shape even to win home field. Peter, I will trade this game for a win in January, any day of the week. So, yes, it would be nice to win this game, get home field throughout, possibly have them come back, or possibly have them play Jacksonville and Jacksonville pull an upset. However, if you're a true Steeler fan and the Steelers, you want to beat the best. So you want to see, you want to beat the Patriots here, beat them in the playoffs, and beat them twice. Describe the coat you're wearing right now, Phil. Obnoxious. <laughs> it, 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 it is a coat that has uh, every Super Bowl on it. It has every it's Super Bowl logo. Yep. Black and gold. Um, has the, the Down the one arm has all the logos. On the other arm has the years you won the Super Bowl. On the back has all the scores. And all on the front, six-time Super Bowl champions. But so, yes, obnoxious. What happens if you win a seventh? I have to buy a new coat. Wow. No big deal. And you'll be happy to do that, won't you? With pleasure. <laughs> With pleasure. With Phil Gennaro at, uh, in downtown Pittsburgh at the uh, Tequila Cowboy the night before Steelers-Patriots, this is a special edition of the MMQB podcast with Peter King. So, Phil, I mean – I've tried to explain to people why the Steelers mean so much to this town and why a Steelers game is such a holiday in this town. Somebody walks in here from Prague having no idea what's going on. Somebody who speaks English. How do you explain Steelerness in Pittsburgh to someone who has no idea what it is? Well, obviously they're from Europe. I have to try and compare it to soccer football over there where where every game there they go bananas and everything like that however just give them a little bit of history say here's what pittsburgh is here's what pittsburgh was here's how they came up and here's what we are today and why is it more important here than in almost every other nfl city i think because i'll, I'll I'll talk about again in the 70s because this town was so down and the only thing that we you know would cling on to would be the Steelers 
and the Steelers were our blue-collar, defense-first, not high-flying team, and they won, and they were tough, and they were mean. And that's what the, everybody grasped onto and held onto even whenever they moved away from here. People in, that grew up in Pittsburgh and moved to California don't root for the Pirates, they root for the Steelers. And you know what I found over the years going to games? I'll never forget going to a game in Tampa. The Steelers at Tampa. I don't know, 15 years ago. 75% of the people in the stands were Steeler fans. It's Jerome amazing. Bettis took off on a run, and you thought you were in Pittsburgh. It was an amazing, amazing sight and sound. So everywhere you go, there's going to be a lot of Steeler when, fans. One of the most amazing away games I went to uh, was the, the Super Bowl 40 run, Green Bay. And Green Bay, you know, legendary, right? We go in, and the Green Bay fans are coming up to us and said, we can't believe how many Steeler fans are there. They estimated in between fifteen and 20,000 Steeler fans at that game. And, and like you, you all had to get your tickets through, like, third parties because exactly. they're sold out. And yeah. that's, that's luckily a friend of a friend. Got the tickets through through third parties, and that's how I got up there, yes. Phil, what's your first Steeler memory? You're born in 1970, so yes. you're coming of very young age when they start winning Super Bowls. That is correct. What do you remember about those days? So you figure I was born in February of 1970, so in January 1975, Super Bowl nine. My dad has my dad, gigantic Steeler fan, suffered through 40-some years of just brutal football. Steelers make it to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl nine, Minnesota Vikings. The first thing I remember is my dad going nuts because Joe Green was the first one out of the tunnel. And back then, he didn't have the big introductions or anything like that. And he has his, his hand raised and number one, you know, the one finger. The index finger is up. The index finger is up. And he's running out, and my dad looks at me and says, son, we're going to see something special today. That's my first memory. Wait a minute. You're five years old. Almost five, yes. Almost five. <laughs> and there's two, see, from that game, I remember three things. I remember that. I remember my dad going nuts because Joe Green recovered a fumble on the two-yard line, which led to the Minnesota touchdown. And the last thing I remember is my dad takes a Steeler pennant off of my room, the wall of my room, runs around the neighborhood, screaming, Steelers win. All the neighbors are looking out. He comes to me, he comes to the door, and I'm standing there waiting for him. He said, son, I could die happy now. Wow. That's 100% true. Wow. Is your dad still alive? Yes. So yes. is he still the same passionate fan? No, he's more relaxed now. He is. He, he's more of a relaxed fan now. Uh, the following year in Super Bowl X, I had to run around the neighborhood. So, I did, <laughs> so that was my turn. So I remember doing, doing that at a young age, yes. Um, Phil, I want to ask you, you, you told us before we started recording that tomorrow is kind of a special day. Very special. Because you are doing a Steeler baptism. Yes, we are. I want you to tell me, tell me the entire story of the baptism. The, the, entire, the entire story starts with these, these great people I met from up around New York City, and uh, especially my buddy Barry. And uh, Barry organizes the Steeler trips down here. They come down once a year. And we, we is this their week this year? Th this is their weekend this wow. year. So they planned accordingly. And the, 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 one, the one guy, Carlos, is, I, I think, sick of rooting for the Jets. Giants. I knew it was a New York team. Giants. So he said he was going to convert to a Steeler fan. So what better way to do it in the shadow of Heinz Field and we'll do a baptism. Now, ultimately, we like to dunk them in the Mon or to go Ohio, but we can't do that because it's too cold. So we'll, we'll drizzle some icy light over them. We'll say some prayers. Barry will do a homily. I got a prayer to say. Uh, we'll give out gifts and we'll celebrate. How do you know that he's going to stay a Steeler fan? That that's a, that's a commitment right there. Oh, it, it's a it's a big commitment. But I think after this, his soul will be touched. <laughs> he'll be he'll be good. <laughs> so, I think we're going to call an audible in the MMQB podcast with Peter King. We're going to show up in the parking lot tomorrow to record this for posterity. I think that's a good idea. The baptism of a Giants fan into the Steeler Nation. Into the Steeler Nation. I mean, you know, since he was a Giants fan, listen, Giants, Giants organization, very, very good. Awesome organization. Put it right up there with the Steelers. So for him to convert from Giants to Steelers, to me, is amazing. 
Okay. He so, was never so embraced Barry by New York. He was never embraced by New York, but comes here and to make him part of the family, we got some special gifts and special. It, it, this event deserves special treatment. It is, and it deserves the proper uh, pomp and circumstance. Very nice. Phil, thank you so much for uh, coming out on this night and talking about the Steelers, sharing an icy light with me. It might not be my last one of the evening. And um, we really look forward to seeing you tomorrow in the parking lot. Absolutely. We're all fired up. And by the way, I love being in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I love being I love in, seeing you, know you in Pittsburgh. You know why I love being in Pittsburgh? What's Everybody that? says, where do you like going to cover a game? I love going to cover a game in Pittsburgh because, for a very simple reason, it matters. It matters so much. Now, everybody can say, yeah, yeah, we care about our team. I know what it means to this town. It's in and the fabric I, of everybody. I it's know right here. how important it is. And that's why it's so cool. Win or lose, everybody's going to wake up Monday morning. You're going to be wounded oh, absolutely. if you lose. Very absolutely. wounded. But it matters. And that's absolutely what's matters. cool yep. about it. It's very cool. Very, I'm very uh, blessed to grow up here. I was very blessed to have a sports fanatic like my dad uh, with the Steelers and the passion that he had and everything. So, I mean, I've, I've been very lucky to experience all the good. There's been some, I'm not saying there wasn't any bad mixing, but I'm going to, you know, I didn't suffer like my dad for 40 some years. Yeah. And, you know, going to Forbes Field and watching Jim Brown run all over him and Gail Sayers and whoever. I was able as a, as a young But age, you know what? You might have loved to have seen Jim Brown play football. Absolutely. Come on. Or yeah. Ernie Stautner. It yeah. was my dad's favorite player. Yeah. So, yeah. So, absolutely. Cool. Football was good. The Steelers weren't. <laughs> Phil, listen, thanks a lot and look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, you, Peter. This is the MMQB Podcast. State Farm knows that for football fans, your car and home are more than just stuff. They're some of your most valuable possessions. Whether it's the truck that gets you to every tailgate or the place where you watch your favorite team with your favorite people. But life can be a real tough opponent. So when it comes to insuring your car or home, you need a strong defense like State Farm. Because they know it's more than just a car or a house. So why not give it the protection it deserves? It's just one more way they're here to help life go right. Talk to a State Farm agent today. And now, Kaylin Kaler of the MMQB takes you to the parking lot at Heinz Field. And you'll find a fairly strange episode in the lives of some Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Hi, this is Kaylin Kaler with the Monday Morning Quarterback. I'm here in Steelers tailgating lot, Gold Lot 1B, where former Giants fan Carlos is being baptized into Steelers fandom by his teacher and former track coach, Barry Beloga. I'd like to welcome everyone gathered here today. My name is Barry, and we're gathered here on this special day to take part in Carlos's Steeler baptism ceremony. Amen. Amen. Together we give thanks and express our great happiness for the arrival of Carlos in black and gold. Amen. Amen. We'd like to offer a great many thanks to the Smale family for allowing us to host this wonderful event. Amen. Amen. I've spoken with Carlos and he is well prepared for this next step. This is not a decision to be made lightly. And Carlos has treated it as such. From this day on, Carlos will be a baptized member of Steeler Nation. Amen. I would like to invite the Chief and Pittsburgh Philly forward to say a few words for Carlos. I got a prayer. Please bow your heads. We are in church now. Steeler Nation Unite. Dear Father, Art Rooney in heaven, Heinz Field be thy name. Thy kingdom come and six Super Bowls won on earth right here in Pittsburgh. Give us this day a permanent sandwich and forgive us of our penalties as we forgive those who try and beat us and lead us to the Super Bowl, but deliver us no evil. For Ben is the kingdom 
and Antonio's of glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm proud. I'm the chief. I'm proud to welcome Carlos into Steeler Nation. I known him when he was a little pup. He was like a baby giraffe coming out for the first time seeing the world when he decided to join Steeler Nation. Welcome, my son. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I will now ask the sponsors to present Carlos to be baptized. Gentlemen, you are presenting Carlos for baptism. Yes. Yes. During this ceremony, it is traditional for a few questions to be asked. First, as sponsors, are you proud members of Steeler Nation? Hell yes. Hell yes. Will you do your best to provide support for Carlos in his journey in black and gold? Hell yes! Do you acknowledge this day that the love of black and gold is already at work inside Carlos? Hell yes! Hell yeah! Do you as witnesses give your love and support to Carlos, wishing him all the blessings of black and gold on this day? Carlos, present yourself for baptism. Carlos, may you come to know the quest for the stairway to seven within your heart and throughout your life express your highest potential. And by the authority vested in me by Steeler Nation, I hereby baptize you in the name of Art Rooney and Dan Rooney and of the Immaculate Reception. Amen. You are baptized. Yes, sir. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. And as a, as, a, as a final token, this is a terrible town. I waved doing Super Bowl 14. I had this since I was nine years old. It is now yours. Are you a changed man? I feel great. It, it's always a good time being with friends, being being dad's time, just being being a good time with family because this, this this is family right now. We have my family, whether it's whether back in New York, whether it's in Philly now. I like family, so I, I appreciate the support and everything I've gotten from them. Gee, absolute genius. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, Pittsburgh Phil. Uh, just, just to let everybody out there know, uh, we had a baptism today at our tailgate party. And everybody standing around, uh, we had uh, Pastor Barry uh, delivered a homily. And then uh, we had uh, a couple prayers and a couple nice words for Carlos. Carlos is, a converted, is converting from Giants to the Steelers. So as he's dressed up in his Jerome Bettis jersey, we got him down on one knee. Uh, we poured Iron City beer on his head uh, for the final baptism. And as a sponsor, I gave him a token appreciation, a terrible towel. And uh, he is now a 100% lifetime member in the Steeler Nation, where everywhere he sees black and gold, he'll have his brothers and sisters looking out for him. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. And now my conversation with hero of the game, Duran Harmon, of the New England Patriots. Back in the MMQB podcast uh, with Peter King with Duran Harmon outside the Patriots locker room. Duran, I want you, if you can, to describe exactly what happened on the fateful interception that ensured the Patriots' victory in okay. this game. So they were coming up to the ball, hurrying up, we're trying to get everybody set, and literally you see the fake spot. And then everybody's just playing. And he throws a bullet right in there, and literally you see Ero stick a hand in there. It pops up. He landed Roberts. No, yeah. no, no. I'm sorry. Ero. Uh, oh, Eric okay. Rowe. All right. Eric, Eric Rowe. Rowe. Yeah, Eric yeah, Rowe. sorry. So yeah. he tipped it, and literally I'm going over there, and I just see the ball in the air. It probably it, it was quick, but it felt like it was up there for forever, and I was just like, you just need to grab this thing, take a knee, and let's get up out of here. I want you to, if you can, explain – why this team has this in them. Mm -hmm. You really looked 
like you were going to lose this game with mm-hmm. five minutes to go. You needed two scores. Mm-hmm. What is it, do you think, about the Patriots? I would just say our, our mentality, mental toughness. I mean, literally what we do each and every week is we try to be consistent. We try to work as hard as we can. Uh, we try to be um, as focused as we can, as prepared as we can. And we try to literally play as good a situational football as we can in moments like that. And we know that when the games come down to situation, a lot of teams don't go through situation as much as we have. We feel like we're as prepared as anyone when it comes down to that time. And we're as confident because that preparation that we do week in and week out, it builds confidence to let you know. When Are you, do you quite literally prepare, like, for instance, for a fake spike? <laughs> we do it all. Yeah. We do it all. I mean... There's no situation that goes unturned when we're getting ready for a team. Everything. Everything that you can think of for a football game, we're prepared for. And that's why when we get in situations like this, we just say go back to our training. Go back to what we practice. And then eventually things will turn out the way that we want them. Do you ever sometimes lay in bed at night, look up at the ceiling and say, man, I'm really grateful the Patriots drafted me? (laughs) All the time. I mean, (laughs) I had this conversation with my wife. Um... And, like, just being a free agent this past offseason. Yeah, you could have gone somewhere. Could have gone somewhere, but didn't want to go anywhere. Didn't want to go anywhere. I did you it. almost go somewhere? <laughs> nah. No. I just think, like. Did you just tell Bill, I come on, Bill. Let's get it. Come let's on. Let's get this deal. Let's get it going. But, I mean, just the locker room, the coaching staff, the culture, just here. It's everything that you want to have when dealing with a good football team. And it's something that I want to be a part of each and every year. And every year that I'm playing. There's four teams that are going to be in the BCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. On those four teams, there's a total of two players in your locker room who suited up for this game today. But there's three Rutgers Scarlet Knights. <laughs> okay, so what is that all about? Hey, man. <laughs> Bill's like his Rutgers guys, man. I don't know, man. It started with Dev, and I mean, Dev has been amazing since he's been here, so I guess he wanted to take a few more and see how it's going. Um, it's been great. I'm glad to have Kenny here, man. Can't wait to see what he does when he Kenny Britt, on the, yeah. Kenny Britt when he yeah. steps on the field. But it's good because you get to celebrate nights like this with guys who you play college football with. I've talked to people who have played games in this stadium before who say that it's electrifying. Mm-hmm. The noise, mm-hmm. the towels, the people going crazy in the stadium. Take me onto the field in this game, mm-hmm. maybe for home field throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs in the AFC, and you tell me exactly what it was like. Oh, it was like you said, it was electrifying. I mean, as soon as we kicked the ball off, I mean, the crowd was on its feet the whole time, back and forth. It's the stadium where you're a kid and you dream about playing in big games on the road and having everybody in the stadium against you, but you doing everything you can just to get out and get a win. And that's what that feeling was like tonight, man. It was it was like a dream. It was literally a dream that you just wish and, and dream for when you was a kid, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Bill Walsh, the Hall of Fame football coach, yep. said that when you go into a road game and it's a huge atmosphere, it's like it's your 46 against a town, mm-hmm. a city, a region, mm-hmm. a state. Is that what it feels like when you play in Pittsburgh? Exactly. I mean, they have probably one of the most loyal fan bases in the NFL. Every time I play here, it's the same. Electrifying crowd. Everybody on their feet. Getting booed. Getting cursed out. Walking in and out. But, I mean, that's football. That's the games that you live for. That's the games that you want. That's the games you want to play in. That's the games that you dream to play in. And today was that day. I'm just happy that we got out here with a win. Last question. Very serious moment at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. The Steelers showed Ryan Shazier Mm -hmm. on the screen. And I wonder, even though you obviously want to beat the Steelers badly, Mm -hmm. what was it like on the Patriots' sideline? Did you realize Mm -hmm. that that was Shazier and that's why everybody was cheering? I'll tell you what, man. Football, man, we're all blessed to play this game, but at the end of the day, it's a game. And we put a lot into it, and and we sacrifice a lot, but when you're dealing with something like Ryan Shazier, a guy who has played football at an elite level, and dealing with that type of injury, all you can do is just hope and pray for him, hope for the best, and just continue to send prayers his way because it's not about football anymore. It's about life. It's about him being able to walk, him being able to have time and have fun with his kids, being able to spend a good amount, enjoy time with his family. And that's what it's about. And when we seen that he was at the game, we, we were excited. We were excited because it's let us know that he is making progress, and that's what we all been praying for. 
Deron Harmon, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. That was really a fun day of football. Yes, it was. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. And now my Monday morning quarterback column about the game. New England 27, Pittsburgh 24. So this is the first time I've ever done this. You're going to get to actually hear the lead to Monday morning quarterback right here on this podcast, live from Pittsburgh. I'm recording this in the back of the Steelers press box at about 1040 Sunday evening. And if you log on to my column, this is exactly what you will read um, in my column at the top of the column. So here goes. Dateline Pittsburgh. No was the plaintive wail out of Steeler coach Mike Tomlin's mouth, captured by a CBS camera when the Patriots drove their annual stake through this franchise's heart Sunday night. I can just imagine the same kind of emotion at just about the same time, 450 miles south in Charlotte, 28 minutes after the end of Patriots 27, Steelers 24, In a statement that reverberated from the Carolinas to the NFL's Park Avenue offices, the founder and owner of the Carolina Panthers announced in a blithe statement that he would be selling the team. Probably the best move. Jerry Richardson, a cornerstone of the league since being awarded an expansion team for the Carolinas in 1993, would likely have been forced out in this Me Too American climate after a damning Sports Illustrated investigation accused him of sordid sexual fetishes and payoffs to women in the organization who had been the alleged victims of Richardson. More about that later. Much more. But one little nugget before we get back to this crazy game and all these crazy plays at the end of the game. It's not certain at all that the league will rest and drop this investigation into Richardson. Given the seriousness of the allegations, that's wise. There's no logical segue from one of the most powerful men in pro football, in apparent shame, suddenly putting his team on the market to one of the most dramatic games in years. So we'll just start with a dreary, great, dramatic, heartbreaking, the fix was in, what is a catch, receiver did not survive the ground, wonderful, inspirational afternoon at the confluence of the three rivers. That was quite a football game, Bill Belichick said. Tom Brady came out of the tunnel, a man possessed before the game, waving his arms, pumping his fist, getting the crap boot out of him by the terrible towel wavers. I knew he was going to have a great game backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer told me. I saw all week how much he wanted this game. You want to know why Tom Brady goes to bed at 8.30 at night and doesn't eat sugar and has avocado ice cream for a vice and treats his body so reverentially? For days like this. Buttoning his blue check shirt after the game at his locker, he smiled just thinking about it. Such a great place to play. Football at its best, Brady told me. The crowd supports their team so much, which is fantastic. But the other side of that is they give us so much, too. We feed off it. Entering the day, Pittsburgh 11-2, New England 10-3. Winner likely to get home field in the AFC. But with 11-3 Jacksonville lurking, the loser could end up without a week off to start the playoffs. And there was more. The Steelers had a four-game losing streak against New England and were just 3-10 and against the Pats in the Belichick era. We've got to prove they don't have our number. Steeler fans filled Gennaro, an insurance adjuster on his third icy light at Tequila Cowboy, a bar in the shadow of Heinz Field, said Saturday night. This game's bigger for us than it is for them. So this is what football here is like. Gennaro baptized a Giants fan into Steelerness two hours before the game in gold lot 1B outside the stadium. Before sprinkling IC light in ex-Giants fan Carlos Jamison's hair as if it were holy water, Gennaro read the Steelers' prayer which began, Dear Father, Art Rooney in heaven, Heinz Field be thy name, thy kingdom come and six Super Bowls won, on earth right here in Pittsburgh, and so forth. That's the kind of place this is. 
that might explain the fervor Sunday, slightly. And there was more. Secretly, the Steelers had ferried by hospital vehicle fallen linebacker Ryan Shazier to the stadium just before the game and positioned him in a private suite. The players didn't even know. Thirteen days earlier, Shazier suffered a spinal injury at Cincinnati, and after one surgery on his spine, his prognosis is uncertain. A few minutes before kickoff, the stadium camera panned to Shazier, waving to the crowd. Pandemonium ensued. Eight, ten, fifteen seconds. It sounded like there were six jet engines inside this stadium. Electrifying, said New England safety Duran Harmon. We were excited to see him because it's letting us know he's making progress. And that's what we've been praying for. And the crowd? As Harmon said, it's the stadium where as a kid you dream about playing big games on the road and having everybody in the stadium against you. That's the kind of game you want to play in and dream to play in. The Patriots seemed like they were chasing all day. There was this feel in the stadium with New England so beat up on the offensive line and coming off a Monday night loss in Miami and traveling here and the Steelers making Brady's pocket dirty all day and Pittsburgh up 24-16 late and Bud Dupree sacking Brady to make it 4th and 17 with four minutes left and forcing the Patriots to kick the field goal. Well... The feeling was this was the end of the New England rolling over Pittsburgh era. Pittsburgh 24, New England 19. You saw what happened next. On the ensuing drive on third and four, the Patriots stoned Juju Smith-Schuster four feet from a first down. Pittsburgh punted. Patriots drove 77 yards in 70 seconds, capping it with a Deion Lewis eight-yard touchdown run for the lead and a Brady conversion pass to Rob Gronkowski who, by the way, is really good. New England 27, Pittsburgh 24. Now, Ben Roethlisberger to Smith-Schuster for 69 yards up the left sideline to the New England 10. 34 seconds left. Ball game, it seemed. Roethlisberger on the next play found tight end Jesse James at the Patriots 2. James caught it, pirouetted, lunged, knee hit the ground, and he reached over the goal line. Both officials on either side of the goal line ruled touchdown. The noise. The noise, noise, noise. End of the schneid. Brady on the other sideline forlorn. Steelers rejoicing on their sideline and in the stands. So there's the cursory review as there is for every touchdown. But this is going to stand, said Tony Romo on CBS. There is no doubt it's going to hold up, said Jim Nance. Time went by. 10, 25, 30 seconds. Replay after replay after replay on CBS. Steelers on the sideline not rejoicing anymore, but wondering why this is taking so long. Does he maintain control, Romo said, after one replay when the ball appears to hit the ground and move on the James lunge. Oh, this could go either way. Nance saw the same thing. Now what would Tony Carrenti do? turning on his mic to be heard in the suddenly quiet stadium. The receiver in the end zone did not survive the ground. Carrenti, the referee said, using an inside officiating phrase. It's an incomplete pass. How huge a play this was. Did James catch the ball and make a football move and cross the plane of the goal line with the ball? Or, like Des Bryant, did he fall to the ground with apparent possession and have the ball jostled perceptibly by the ground, thus negating the catch? It is ridiculously close. But by the letter of the law, Carrenti probably did the right thing. I can't comment on Des Bryant, Carrenti told a pool reporter. I can only tell you that in this case, he went to the ground and had lost control of the ball. The ball hit the ground, and that means at that point it's an incomplete pass whether he was touched or not. Said a glum James, I thought it was a touchdown for sure. Said Roethlisberger, the rule is you must possess it all the way through. Said Tomlin, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. 28 seconds left now. Roethlisberger on a crossing route to Darius Hayward Bay. On the crossing route that injured megastar Antonio Brown probably would have run, but he was in a nearby hospital getting his lower leg examined after a first-half injury. 
No word on his status, but he had to be helped off the field. Gain for three for Haywood Bay, who could not get out of bounds. Clock running. No timeouts left for Pittsburgh. 20, 19. Roethlisberger hustling to the line, making the spike it gesture with his right hand. We thought they'd spike it, said Harmon. We were ready for it. 18, 17, 16. I was yelling, clock it, Roethlisberger said, and it came from the sideline. Don't clock it. Don't clock it. 15, 14, 13. Steelers lined up. Wide out Eli Rogers, wide right, set to be Roethlisberger's target two yards deep in the end zone. 12, 11, 10, 9. Snap. Roethlisberger faked the clock it at the line, then began looking for Rodgers, trailed by big Patriots cornerback Eric Lowe. The throw was on target. Rowe used all of his 73 inches to lunge over Rodgers' shoulder and bat the ball away and into the air and into teammate Duran Harmon's hands. Steelers win. Steelers get overturned. Steelers have a slightly open guy in the end zone. For a second win, Roethlisberger throws, picked. Patriots win. So fast. So cruel. So impactful. By one overturned touchdown and the most vital NFL goal line interception since Malcolm Butler, the likely AFC playoff scenario went from one Pittsburgh, two Jacksonville, three New England, to one New England, two Pittsburgh, three Jacksonville. I told Brady that after the game. He didn't know. You know, it's probably better that way because you truly never do know in the NFL. Will form hold in the last two weeks? It never does. All anyone in this heart-sick city knows this morning for sure is that the Grinch came early this year and the Steelers still have a Patriots problem. The end. That's the end of my Steelers-Patriots story from Pittsburgh. And we'll have more, some final thoughts, right after this. This is the MMQB Podcast. Podcast. And finally, on our trip back home to New York, in the car, you'll hear from me, Connor Orr, and Kalen Kaler of the MMQB deconstructing a very, very interesting football game. So, the conclusion of our unique podcast. You know, my partner at the MMQB, Kalen Kaler, has just suggested maybe we call this an autocast. Since we are going to uh, be doing the final 10 minutes of this podcast from the road. Uh, because we all need to be back in the New York area on Monday to do a lot of things in the city. Monday, uh, we're starting to drive back. We're going to drive to State College, and which is about halfway there, and then drive the last three hours tomorrow morning. So what I thought we would do, I have in the car with me our Kia Sorento trusty Her- uh, Avis rental car um, that we rented in New York on Saturday. Um it is 11.23. We've just passed Penn Hills. We are about to uh, get off of I-376 and basically uh, take Route 22 deep into central Pennsylvania. So there's our geography lesson for you. And I'm with Kaylin Kaler, who is driving, and Connor Orr, of the MMQB is in the back seat. And so I thought we would just wrap up what we saw today in one of the best games, you know, I think I've covered in a while. Uh, the drama, the uh, the sort of, um, the, the unpredictability and just how narrow things are in the NFL just really impressed me after today. And we'll get back to that. But, but Connor, give me a couple of thoughts about what you really felt about the game and particularly, you know, the end of the game and the meaning of it. Well, I thought 
first of all, that there was no way um, that this game was going to live up to the hype. And, you know, there, there were other games with far much more significance um, in terms of postseason seeding and all that stuff going on this weekend. But it, it just had that classic, you know, heavyweight back and forth feel. And the end of the game was just phenomenal. Unfortunately, I think the only uh, detraction was that it ended up kind of coming down to the, the what's a catch rule. And I think that that's something that's going to mar what was otherwise probably the best regular season game of the year. Maybe Texans-Seattle when Deshaun Watson was healthy. But uh, other than that, I think this was definitely the best regular season game of the year. So, Kalen, you spent some time in both the uh, the losing Steeler locker room and the victorious uh, New England locker room. Contrast them for me. Um, the Steelers locker room cleared out super fast. They were pissed off. They were pretty quiet. Um, I got a chance to talk to Jesse James and Xavier Grimble, who are both tight ends for the Steelers, a little bit. And I actually, when I first walked into the locker room, you walk to the back corner, and that's where the tight ends' lockers are. And they, Xavier was kind of kneeling on the ground, extending his arms, as if reenacting the Jesse James reversed non-touchdown, non-catch. Um, and they were both sort of shaking their heads about it, trying to understand exactly what had just happened. But it was kind of, everybody was very angry and short with reporters in that locker room. And then on the Patriots side, there was music playing. Um, Devin McCourty and Jerron Harmon were joking around. Another player, I can't remember which one, passed Jerron Harmon and said, we call him the closer. That's our closer. Um, so it was totally different vibes there. You know, I was standing outside the Patriots locker room when they were coming in after the game, and there was this measure of shock in them, and they were just basically uh, shrieking, hollering with joy, just could not believe their good I, – I think they couldn't believe their good fortune – Tom Brady was like the third guy in the locker room, and he went in there and he let out a series of shrieks, like three or four shrieks, <laughs> like he had just discovered gold. And I, I, I just, I thought the Patriots. One of the things about the Patriots, they're seen as this, almost this group of automatons, you know, these metronomes. And but this was a really, really emotional team. Talking to Deron Harmon after the game, not just for the podcast interview that you heard. But just talking to him, uh, you know, he just was totally, absolutely euphoric. And he said to me at one point, uh, you know, off off mic, he said, you know, this is basically the reason why I really wanted to re-sign here. Every single game is going to have meaning. And that was really kind of fun. I, you know, Connor, I want to get into this with you now because the topic of this week, I believe, around the NFL is going to be what is a catch? What isn't a catch? And this is going to continue to royal the NFL. And I'll give you my view first, and then you give me yours. To me, this looked like, by any measure, a catch. But by the strict measure of how the NFL judges a catch, if you do absolutely by the book, it's not a catch. So I understand why they say it's not a catch, but it's still, for some reason, you know, we're, whatever, four hours after the game, and there's still this slight feeling that it's unsatisfactory in some ways. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like, it kind of feels like the Steelers won the game. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. it just does, and it feels like the Patriots walked out of there tonight thinking oh my god that was that was a gift from god you know but i don't know give, give me your thoughts well i i talked to al river on before the season started and i you i said nfl supervisor of officials nfl supervisor of officials yeah um and i i'd mentioned i read somewhere that you guys get 95 percent of your calls right and he corrected me and he said 98 percent of the calls right and one of the things that you know in, in their minds, they are right 98% of the time because they go by this ridiculous sort of uh, 
I called it the Encyclopedia Britannica rulebook today just because I felt like it's so specific to the point where it doesn't allow you to make what seem like common gut instinct calls. I mean, there there have been countless situations throughout the year, whether it's um, a hit on a defenseless player or something else that by definition doesn't merit the call, but at the same time, it just it feels like common sense. And I, and I think that that's something that... Uh, is going to be part of the discussion moving forward. The league just needs to move forward, I think, a little bit and, and establish some, some common sense officiating or, and, and allow these guys a little bit of rain to, to call the game like it would make sense to them. In my opinion, <clears throat> I don't... Uh, I wouldn't give officials any latitude or any leeway. I think it's a recipe for disaster. I think more to the point, I will give you one specific rectifier off of today's game, and that would be this. When a player has possession of the ball and perhaps has not made a football move yet but has possession of the ball in both hands and it is not moving and he pierces the goal line, whether he's going to the ground or whether he's not going to the ground. You're almost, obviously, you're penalized for going to the ground. Yeah. And my feeling is if you have the ball in your possession and you pierce the goal line with the ball, that should be a touchdown. By my definition, that play today, uh, you know, under the Peter King uh, rule, that would have been a touchdown. And, and and But I think... Every other part of this, in my opinion, you have to have an absolute, totally hard and fast thing without any ability for officials, you know, to, to, to read anything into it because that's where you totally get in trouble. I would like to see the league actually name it the Peter King Amendment, too. I think that would be <laughs> like the 24th Amendment. I certainly to the would, too, yes. <laughs> But, yeah, it was almost surreal. You know, we were watching the the three of us and actually a couple other reporters that were sitting by us were watching, re-watching the end of that game after the press conferences and just seeing over and over Jesse James move over the goal line with the ball in possession. And it's just, you know, on what planet does that not feel like a score? You can, you can explain the rules yeah. to any child that is just learning the game for the first time, and that that's a touchdown 100 times out of 100. It's just... Uh, you know, it, it just felt very strange at the end of the game. Kalen Kaler, give me your takeaways from your uh, 27 hours in Pittsburgh. Well, the fans here are on another level, as we experienced today, and as you would hear earlier in this podcast. Um, that was pretty fun to see the former Giants fan be baptized into Steelers fandom. Um and, you know, a really cool moment of this game was when they showed Ryan Shazier um, waving his terrible towel. He was able to come to the game to watch because, obviously, this was a date that he probably had circled in his calendar for months. And just to see the crowd's reaction to that, it got super loud. And, and even the Patriots side were saying that was a, sort of an emotional, uplifting moment for them, too. So I thought that was pretty cool to see Shazier there and, and the response to, to him. How about you, Connor? I would say that uh, Lydia's was probably the best pasta that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> well, we need to we need to just say uh, so. I, uh, for all of you non Peter King files, my my wife is from Pittsburgh, and so I've been to Pittsburgh 150 times over the years, and I have a favorite restaurant in Pittsburgh. It's called Lydia's. And basically, Lydia uh, is Lydia Bastianich. She has a string of restaurants, some in New York, one in Kansas City, one in Pittsburgh. I'm sure she's got other ones. But it's this fantastic Italian food. And at the Pittsburgh one, there is this thing called the Pasta Trio. So they invent a new three kinds of pasta. Uh, and they have different ones almost every time I've come. And you basically, it's all-you-can-eat pasta. So last night after recording Pittsburgh Phil uh, in, at Tequila Cowboy, we basically went to Lydia's and Connor, take it away. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the day that I was going to get to have an icy light with Pittsburgh Phil, 
I was going to go get to have a beer at Southern Tier and then the best pasta in my life. I mean, wh- when do you, where do you sign up for that? That's just uh, that's a, that's a good little uh, Saturday. Well, that's the life of an American sports writer, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, look, I probably my only takeaway or my the, the one the one point I guess I would make that I find to be totally fascinating is that a ball popped up in the sky, Duran Harmon caught it. It could have popped up into the sky and Darius Hayward Bay uh, could have caught it or Eli Rogers could have reached up and caught it. Somebody else, the ball bounced and a Patriot caught it. And so therefore now the, uh, the AFC, the top of the AFC uh, playoff structure, instead of looking like one Pittsburgh, two Jacksonville, three New England, now looks like one New England, two Pittsburgh, three Jacksonville. So by the bounce of a football, it's very possible that Jacksonville will not get a bye. By the bounce of a football, it's very possible that New England will have a home path to the playoffs. (laughs) So life is funny, and for all of you who listen to this, who are so friggin' sick of the New England Patriots. Well, I'll just say this. There's nothing final. There's nothing absolute. But by the bounce of a football, the New England Patriots now become the favorite to go to yet another Super Bowl out of the American Football Conference. So that is our offbeat podcast for the for the week you know i i i I apologize in advance because usually the podcast drops on wednesday morning but this week the podcast drops on monday morning because we wanted to get this into your ears uh early after you know such a high profile game as new england 27 pittsburgh 24 a couple of scheduling notes Next week, my podcast guest, it'll be a single guest on the uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, holiday week. And my guest will be Ryan Leaf. Now, many of you may know Ryan Leaf. He was the second pick in the 1998 draft. Peyton Manning was first. And their lives have taken rather opposite paths. And you're going to hear a story that I find rewarding, somewhat inspirational, and don't give up, don't ever give up. And I don't mean to steal Jim Valvano's line there, and this has nothing to do with someone who had cancer, but this has everything to do with a man whose life was absolutely, uh, you know, downtrodden, and he fixed it after prison, uh, after being a drug addict, uh, just Ryan Leaf's story is absolutely amazing. Anyway, so that will be the podcast next week. That will drop on Wednesday, December 27th. And then the following week, we will be back to normal football, timely podcasts. So really enjoyed this one. I hope this is this is kind of an offbeat, fun, funky podcast uh, I've never read the top of my column before in my life, so that was kind of fun. But anyway, um, I'm happy that uh, we were able to bring this to you. You know, on behalf of Kaylin Kaler and uh, Connor Orr, we're in the car now in the middle of somewhere in the darkness of Pennsylvania as we approach midnight. Uh, I really appreciate all you listening for the entire season and for the last two years to the MMQB podcast with Peter King. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thanks to my guest, Phil Gennaro. Some very funny people at a baptism in the Steeler parking lot. And Duran Harmon. If you enjoyed these conversations, 
Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Tom Brady, Adam Schefter, and Larry Fitzgerald. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82. Thanks to the fine folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsor this week, State Farm. Please support State Farm the way State Farm supports this podcast. And I'll see you next week. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.